Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli on Let Lisa Help. We are going to talk to the much-esteemed radio icon Elvis Duran. We're going to talk about his book called Where Do I Begin? We're going to talk about downsizing, downsizing your homes, your clutter, your friendships, and all the crap that's killing your life. And most especially, we, we are going to talk about the gastric sleeve surgery that saved both of our lives and how we kept our weight off and still look effing fly. Stay tuned. Here's my interview with Elvis Duran. This is Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli. And guess what? Okay, this is so exciting because remember how I always say I turn from the queen of mean into the queen of meaning? My guest is the person who actually said it about me first, and I stole it, and I said I'm using that. Radio legend, the iconic, the fantastic, a mountain among men, Elvis Duran. Oh, stop. Shut it up right now. What is it with you? Listen, let me tell you about me. You're the queen of meaning. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what, Elvis? I got to tell you. Gotta wait, hold on a second. By the way, I stole that from someone else. I know. You said you should well, call her the queen of meaning. I know, but let's just say you did. I'll get all the credit. Yeah, totally you should. Okay. Here's my feeling on you, Elvis Duran. You were always so good to me, and you still are. Matter of fact, I just got your wedding invitation in the mail. This thing, it's got to be at least 150 per invitation. I don't mean the wedding. I mean the beautiful, delightful, it's beautiful hand-die-cut invitation. I said, this Elvis Duran is a class act. He's getting gay married over to Santa Fe. I get to bring a guest my life is good. You know, if you didn't bring a guest, it would save me some money. I don't care about saving you money because you're rich. I'll tell you, I was actually contemplating like, offering cash cash <gasps> rewards for people who declined coming. How much? I will do it. Because <laughs> I am in a podcast I'm studio. United Airlines. We have oversold this flight. And there you go. And we're pay you not to show up. Well, let me tell you something. I have to bring a guest because okay. I think that you are going to have a terrific party and I'm going to have to brag to someone and go, oh, look, at we had so much fun, didn't we? It's going to be crazy. Drag queens. <gasps> I think we're giving away a car. It's going to be Shut crazy. up. You're so cute. <laughs> now, Elvis and I have known each other. It's got to be 20 years. Yep. Because what happened was when I started headlining at Caroline's on Broadway years ago, when I used to be a comedian, when I was the queen of mean previous to this iteration of my life, Elvis actually allowed me to come on air on Z100, where he started and still is in New York City, but now he's global. This guy allowed me to come on, and he said to me, Lisa Lampanelli, I rarely have comics on because they don't bring it. And he goes, you and John Panette are allowed in my studio. Now, God bless his soul. Right. John Panette is, was a comedian, terrific guy, terrific comic, but unfortunately died of complications of obesity. Now, 
me and Elvis Duran had this in common also. We were going down the road of obesity yeah. to possible death. We already had complications from obesity. We, uh, luckily, yes. we turned it around before we died from it. Right. So, thank God you had me on that show. And then I saw you as I go on your show now, uh, every once in a while when I need something to plug. I said, this Elvis looks fantastic. Well, you started it. You of course it. I started. I'm an icon. You, you are. <laughs> you're a pioneer. I am. I am a pioneer woman. You are. I mean, no, you you had the uh, gastric uh, sleeve, sleeve yep. before I did. And yeah. I remember texting you saying, hey, Lisa, mm -hmm. I'm going to do it too. And you yeah. spent maybe 10 seconds and I saw three dots mm -hmm. and you said, congratulations. I if ever you so need anything, you. if you need some questions answered, let me know. And you were there for me. I appreciate well, it. Well, I knew it would endear me to you for further appearances on your show. What was it that made us finally decide to do something drastic? Listen, I'll tell you what it was for me. Wait, my problem, I couldn't see my, my penis. Well, listen, I couldn't see mine either. Okay, there I you mean, have it. I mean, it's there. My balls are huge. I thought you told me we couldn't be they're crass. crassy. We can be crass, but we can't say the F word, the C word, or any of them. Okay, okay. The sponsors have uh, values. Wait, are we videoing? <laughs> just, we're just a couple I mean, little I just clips. Pick my nose. No, you did. She won't post a picture of you picking your nose. She's a Yale graduate. She knows how to comport. Oh my God, New Haven, best yes. pizza. Anyway, okay, New Yorkers yeah. get mad when you say that. Too bad for them. Right. F you, New Yorkers. Because I'll tell you something. Even though we're no longer large in girth, we do know food. That's how you know yeah. that food is still good. I still eat it. Well, hey, we have to live. There's less of it. Right. Here's the deal. You ask me, Lisa Lampanelli, what was the point at which I said, F this, I'm going to get the gastric sleeve. Yeah, your turning point. And I say, I think what happened was, I don't think there was ever a light bulb moment. I don't believe in aha moments. I believe in like the cumulative effect of your life. So what happens is I try every diet, every exercise plan. I'm gaining, I'm losing, I'm gaining, I'm losing, yo-yo dieting. I say to myself at 50, I hear somebody mention lap band and I go, wait a minute, why did I never think of getting weight loss surgery? And I explored it and I said, it's as if the lights came on that I go, oh my God, I can actually take my body back to whatever, my teenage years, and then work on the emotional part that helps me keep the weight off. So it really was like a cumulative effect of all the stuff I'd gone through over the years. Okay. It wasn't like a one aha moment. Well, no. Had... At one point, Donald Trump on The Apprentice did, uh, I think I've told this story on your show, but I like it, so I'm going to tell it briefly again. We call it recycling. It's good. <laughs> Wait, wait, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? I, I have to. Well, the thing was, Donald Trump during The Apprentice would compliment all the women in the boardroom, except for me, because, you know, at the time, I wasn't the great beauty you see here. I was 248 pounds with bad hair extensions and going through menopause. I wasn't his type yet. So Donald Trump every day would compliment the women, but never me. He'd always go, Teresa, you look beautiful today. Aubrey, you get more attractive with every week. Then Elvis, out of nowhere, one day he says, Lisa. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's my turn. And he goes, Lisa, doesn't Teresa look beautiful today? <laughs> and, and at that point, you just go, I'm literally invisible. Right. I'm invisible to the horniest guy on the planet. Shouldn't be that way. No, I should be visible. 
And there was part of that I joke about, but part was like, wow, I'm not seeing this is getting in the way of me sort of feeling good about myself. Let me take it back to ground zero and get this surgery done. So over time, you said you finally figured it out. Yeah. Me, it was a moment. Yeah, dude. Click. So, yeah, because you were how much overweight? I was, I was 248. Uh, uh, 140 wow. pounds overweight. Wow. I tell you what. So uh, Dr. Oz used to come on the show all the time. Yes. And he would, like, you know, we would, he would look into our ears and, you know, he would feel our, he would cup our scrotums well, and make who us wouldn't? cough. I you did know. that too. I know. So one day he came in and he took our, by the way, you can read this story in my new book. Oh my called, God. Called Where Do I Begin? Awesome. Which is on sale now. It comes out October 1st. But anyway. Oh, that's exciting. He, I, see how I plugged that? No, Lisa I Lampinelli love that style? you are. I love it. I did. That's yes. exactly how Lisa Lampanelli did. I'm assuming it's available at Amazon. Absolutely. So he walks in. He takes everyone's blood pressure in the room. And he gets to mine. And he's like, oh, you're okay. And he kind of glossed over me. And so we went to a break, played commercials. And he looked at me. He said, Elvis. I said, yes, Dr. Oz. Yeah. He says, if I had my way, I would take you to a cab right now and I would personally take you to the emergency room. He said, he said your blood pressure is beyond, beyond Whoa. anything it should be in any case. So I looked at him. I said, come on, don't, don't mess with me. He said, no, no. He did it again. Mm. He said, you, he said, I don't know. You got to go do something about this. I was really, really, really huge at this point. Right. Always sweating. You know how it oh, is. Oh, no. It's running out of breath. Under the boobs. Under, oh, yeah. Under boob sweat. So we went to the doc. I went to the doctor. He gave me some doctor's names. Okay. And uh, they looked at me and said, we got to put you under a full physical. So they did the cardiogram thing. They did imaging. They did everything. Right. And they actually thought they found a spot on my heart where it looked like a part of my heart was dead. So oh it scared the crap God. out of me. Of course. It just did. So that's when I, that's when it all began. Wow. Had to lose weight. Dr. Oz, without hesitation, says, you should consider weight loss through surgery. Excellent. And I never thought a doctor would tell me that. I think they would just say, you need to eat carrots. Oh, well, you got the right doctor. So I immediately went to Dr. Uh, Bressler up at mm -hmm. Columbia. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I don't know if insurance will come. I said, I, said, I don't care. I'll yeah, write a I check. paid. I paid. I said, can you do it tomorrow? He said, no, there's a <laughs> series of things you have to go through. And right. I just did it. And Absolutely. as you know, it's, it's not the easy way out. There's needles. There's blood. There's oh. Oh, and there's the biggest thing, which people forget about that. Now you can't eat like you have nine rectums, so you have to feel your feelings now. Right. So that's the hardest part of keeping the weight off is actually going through the feelings and not substituting it with shopping right. or gambling or drinking or the cocaine, well, although gotta, that does keep you thin. You got to set it at zero. Yeah, which so sucks. Did, and I had the surgery. Mm -hmm. Best decision I've ever made in my life. Well, let me tell you about you with the surgery. I am so proud of you because you actually listen to Dr. Oz and saying, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. Because some people will push off even a world-renowned doctor. And I remember right after the surgery, when I lost about 80 of the pounds, he had me on the show, this Dr. Oz. Right. And he said, on air, weight loss surgery is the most underused surgery. It should be done for anyone who meets the uh, BMI rate. True. So he really believes in it. I was so happy that he got it. So do you think, why do you think people shy away from the surgery? What's your main feeling about Because they that? forget uh, the fact that they're going to die. Yeah. You know what? If you love living, mm -hmm. then you find ways to preserve your life. You know, my dad used to say, God rest his soul, it's not about living longer. It's about dying slower. 
Wow. Which really is a great way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I love life. I'm having a great time. And even when I was fat, mm-hmm. I didn't hate myself. I was not one of those, oh, I mean, I was fine with me. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't fine with not you know, being able to fit into clothes. I wasn't fine with mm-hmm. sweating all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, not feeling great about the way I looked. I didn't hate me. Right, right. See, I, I to live. I didn't like myself and knew Yes, there's that arduous, horrible journey to liking yourself overweight. And I tried for years and I couldn't do it. And I admire people who can. I couldn't. So I said, let me try this first and then working work on liking myself. So then even though I like the outside, I have to still work on the inside because there's part of the insides that I don't like. So it's great. It like all converges on working on yourself and that's good. Right. But I think a lot of people are scared of surgery, not just because they're afraid of going under anesthesia. I think there's a lot of shame. People feel it is the easy way out. It, they're, they're, they're almost ashamed to admit, hey, I need this help. Well, cut that out. I agree. Several things you need to remember. First of all, uh, your body is like a building. You, know, it, you have to constantly be upgrading it. You have to constantly be fixing things that are falling apart. Right. You have to stop looking at being overweight uh, and wanting to lose weight as a, an emotional thing. It's also a, it's a construction thing. The older you get, man, the, it, it's, it's still falling apart. We lost the weight. We still have things to look out for. Like I have this thing on my yeah. face because mm-hmm. I, I didn't use sunscreen a lot. Right. So now I have this thing on my face which I know – I need to be ahead of it, go to a dermatologist, have it looked at, because skin cancer will kill you. Of course. And so, you know, I have an appointment next week. You have to be ahead of it. The older you get, the faster your friends start to die. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be one of them. Right. I don't want to be one of them. I want to live. Well, the thing is, how old are you? Do you 54. say your age? I'll be 54. 55 in August. Why wouldn't I say my age? I, th- I agree. I always said it. I'm 57. I tried to lie once about my age at the Montreal Comedy Festival. I subtracted five years like everybody else does. And then somebody said, oh, my God, cool. What year did you graduate high school? I couldn't add that fast. I said, you know, I'll be honest. I'm five years older than that. (laughs) I graduated in 79. That's a better story. Yeah. What are you going to do? But, you know, I love that you love your life now because you and I both, I think, overweight. Yeah, we were happy-ish. But I think now it just invites in more joy. Do you agree that your life is more joyful now? Oh, without a doubt. And I'll tell you why. It's not only about the weight loss. It's also where I'm finally friends with me. Mm. I have no problem being honest with myself. Yeah. I have no problem getting to the point because, mm. I mean, how many years do we have left? We're over halfway done with our lives. Right. I mean, unless I walk out of here and a piano falls on my head. But, you know, oh, that'd just, be a great story for the podcast, man. Being honest with ourselves and also taking control. And I'll tell you, here's my story. Mm-hmm. I was late coming to this podcast today mm-hmm. because I had to work out. Oh, wow. I love that. Now, I tried to move my uh, workout session and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And this is going on at work, too, at the radio station where I, I try to get out of there and I've got 11 o'clock workout. They're like, Elvis, you got to stay to record this. Mm-hmm. I'm to the point now where I'm like, no, no, I'm leaving. I'm working out. Yep. And it's not only because I want to feel better because I do actually working out. I enjoy it once I'm doing it. Mm. But I'm taking control of my life. Wow. I'm telling people no. The word no is just the best word in the world. Dude, at our age, it starts to actually sink in that we're allowed to do it. Why did we wait so long? Well, Why did we say no when we were 20? Well, because we weren't brought up that way. Because we didn't, we didn't have, par- well, I didn't have parents who had boundaries, healthy boundaries like that. Right. My mother had to take care of everybody so then she would stuff the feelings with food. You know, my dad couldn't say no to my mom. So it's like all that stuff just gets implanted in us and then we go, okay, we can fix it now. 
I mean, thank God, or else you'd be sending out five hundred dollar invitations. Yours only cost a buck fifty each. Either our boundaries. Here, let me ask you something. By the way, real quick, remind me. I have to ask you something about your stomach. Go, please, please. Okay, so at one point after your surgery, did you find that your stomach started to expand? No. No. And I think mine started doing. Well, let me tell you what I think. I saw my doctor last week. He wants to. He wanted to do a project with me, like uh, for charity. I said to him, I think you got me good, doc, because everybody who's had surgery from this guy, it's it's uh, expanded a little. Not me. I think he did mine extra tight because I'm a celebrity and he didn't want to have a failure <laughs> on the public eye, right. which God bless. But no, mine never stretched out. Well, it doesn't work that way. They can't make it extra tight. I think he did. He didn't. He did. You're lying to Well, yourself. you know how everybody now has, a, if you get the gastric sleeve, basically all it is is cutting out most of your stomach. Yeah. So- most people have it the size of banana. I think mine's an apricot. I got to be, or an apricot, however the F you say that thing. <laughs> but it's so small. What about you? How, when you found it stretching out a little, how many years was this in? Three. Did you freak out? No, 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 no. It, it, it was a gradual weight loss. Mm. I could, I found out I could, I could eat more food. Oh, all right. Yeah. And so I had to do something. That's when I started working out. Oh, good, and good, good. That's when good. I started monitoring what I was eating. To be honest, you know, I still eat crap. I still eat Me too. macaroni and cheese and cheeseburgers. I just don't eat as much as I used to. Right. It's funny because yesterday I was up at P-Town last week and you know I'm big on uh, taking the leftovers home, the doggy bag right. and all this because I'm like, I'm not wasting food. Like I am Italian. I'm 57. We do not waste food in our house. So I bring home this hamburger and I'm like, oh my God, I ate three bites of that thing. Three bites. But that's... What it's better to have the three bites of a, a delicious thing than ten bites of some freaking healthy salad yeah. or something. Here, eat another avocado. Oh, suck mine! <laughs> I can't. And the thing is, I get healthy food. I understand it's it's important. We're not stupid. We know. But eighty percent of the time, if I'm doing the right thing with food, I'm happy with myself. But look, you know, but it's different for every person who who's had this procedure done. I mean, sure. there are some people who have it done and they just. They never even lose weight. No. It, it, I, don't, I don't understand it, but every, everybody it. is different. So I think for the most part, here's what I've learned talking to people I coach about it or at the workshops. They have the surgery. They don't work on the emotional eating part of it. And then my doctor had said to me in the beginning, go start working on those emotions because if you want to gain the weight back, you will. Yep. So you will eat milkshakes, things that slide down easy, ice cream, all this stuff. And then you go, oh, my God, I'm Ralphie May. And a poor guy like that, he ends up dying after right. two surgeries or these other – I call it pulling a Carney Wilson. You know, poor Chili Con Carney gained her weight back twice. This is a sad thing, yet I made fun of it. Of course. Because, you know, you can't you made, you not – living. Come on, Chili Con Carney. Well, Nobody I, can live I must disagree one. with you. Fun <laughs> of Chili Con Carney. Okay, so here's another thing. You're talking about the shame of having the surgery. Yeah. You, I learned from you, and I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We went out and screamed about it. Hell yeah. And then when I had that big turkey flop under my neck because of the fat, I went in and had a, a facelift. Well, let me tell you about you. And Your I face looks good. And I immediately talked about it. I have no problem. I can't believe all these people who have these procedures so done and they, oh, no, I just worked out. No, you didn't. No, you, you surgery. didn't. The thing is, we're helping people. I can't tell you how mm-hmm. great it makes me feel when I have a listener text in and say, hey, I followed you as example. 
I had the the, uh, the the surgery done, and I feel awesome, or I'm wow. still working on it. I feel awesome for that. I feel great about that. Well, I don't know what's great about that. I feel even better because I inspired you to do it. So basically, yep. I'm taking credit for any listener that has changed their life. So thank you. May you. Do that. Oh my God, thank you, Lisa Lampanelli. <laughs> you should run coach. for president. I should now. When people have the shame around it, here's my theory. We don't, I think you and I, we don't have shame about our getting older. We don't have shame about um, genetic things that happen to be in place before we, when we're born. I always felt shame around being overweight because it was something I could control. Like, why are you so weak that you can't control your eating? I felt shame about if a place, if a theater didn't sell out. Oh, my God, there must be something wrong with me that I can't sell all these tickets to wherever. Do you think people feel shame about weight more than they would feel about, say, alcohol use or something that was out of their control? I don't know. I think everyone's different, Lisa. Mm -hmm. You know what? I try to learn lessons in everything that happens to mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. For instance, mm-hmm. uh, we put our show on in different markets around the country. We're on in New York and Miami, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, and Cleveland, and, 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 and you know Richmond. We're, we're everywhere in like eighty something markets. Sure, but then in digital, we're all around the world. We have people listening in every market. But they would put our show on in Atlanta, and Austin, and St. Louis, and we failed miserably. Huh? And for a split second, like a blip. A blip of a second, I was like, oh, damn it. What did we not do? Right? They hate us. And then I realized right. you can't always win in these markets. There's different stuff going on in different markets. They have different types of shows already on. Mm-hmm. They just don't need your type of show right now. It's stuff you cannot control. Right. So you got to let it go. Why would I sit here and beat myself up if, if they hate me in St. Louis? <laughs> F them. Okay, fine. Right. You know what's right. funny? We still have a lot of digital listeners there. They took us off. But for whatever reason, it didn't get ratings. Let it go. Right. So for the things you cannot control, you let it go. You, you just have, have to. to. So when it comes to weight, you know, we can control that. If not through monitoring our eating, mm-hmm. go have a rip out half your stomach. You're yeah. fine. Yeah. And then make sure you keep it off because there's nothing sadder than someone who starts their life over and then ends it on purpose. Let me ask you something. Lisa, when you go online and look at people responding to your posts and mm-hmm. things and they say really, really mean things, mm. how does that affect you? They never do any more except maybe one out of like once every six months, like something happened. Really? And I we think get them all the time. Yeah, I think it's because you're on the air so much. I think it's because the Instagram uh, is more positive, and that's what I concentrate on. I picked one platform that I love, and Instagram right. is just positive. Right. But if, like, say, for instance, last week I got one that said something like about um, not. I don't mind the ones that say I miss the old Lisa because that's not mean. Oh, you should do comedy again. I don't mind that. But when somebody goes, you uh, were never funny. You're this. You're that. I just go. Well, let me coach myself through it. I go. Is that a fact? Is uh, was I, you know, am I a waste of skin now that I'm not doing comedy? Or you know what I mean? Or was I funnier before or whatever? I go, it's not really true. I'm happy with my life, and it'll sting a little, but then I got to talk my way out of it. Really, you spend that much time on it? Well, because I don't look at it. I look at it like work on myself, like working on resilience of com- making a comeback. Because then, if something really should hurt then I'll be able to work through that. Like, what do you do? Do you guys just kind of like delete it or say What I do that? now is rather than thinking about me and what they said about me, I think about them. Mm. Well, who would write that and why? Who would sit down and take the time to say something stinging like that and why? Mm. And then, okay, I'm over it. So it's, you know what? It's, that's empathy. 
That's putting yourself in their shoes. That's compassion. I think that's great because you're going, it's not about me. Well, I hate to say compassion is compassion because I, well, I, I really, they're like a little flea that you flick off your hand and yeah. <laughs> like let them go. Well, empathy, I think, in the way that you go, um, they must have a sad life. Okay, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, because I don't think you're uh, a mean person at Tell all. You what, when I was in high school, uh, I was out gay. Everyone knew I was gay. Mm-hmm. And I, I was fortunately growing up in the Bible Belt in Texas, I, wow. I slithered through being a gay teenager pretty easily. Wow. I, it was very rare I felt anyone try to hurt me mm-hmm. or try to make me feel like crap. You know, I, they may have not wanted to hang out with me because I wasn't like, into sports or whatever. Who cares? I didn't care. Right. There was one guy, his name was Charlie, mm-hmm. who used to go down the hallways between classes and scream out loud, hey, you're a faggot. Whoa. And then everyone else would kind of stop and look at him and like, what's your problem, man? Wow. And I would sit there and rather than being embarrassed, I would just think this guy obviously has problems. And then we would just move on and he would do it every day. Mm -hmm. Come to find out later on, he was like, Mr. Gay Leather (laughs) Tech. You know what I'm saying? He was like Mr. Yes. Mr. S and M, you know, there you go. flat my ass, Sally, you know. So it, it really was a lesson in yeah. okay, he was the one that was having issues right. and he was taking it out on me. He had so much shame about himself that he had to deflect to you. Well, why and would again, anyone want to be mean to anyone they don't know? I mean It's just weird. Well, it's okay. them. I'll tell you one that hit me the other day and uh we'll dissect it. Okay, I was doing a Facebook live about a month ago when this launched. So I, at the time, have been wearing a lot of wigs because I've been ballroom dancing and just having a freaking blast. Okay. Like I'm exploring like different areas of my sexuality or femininity. Are there videos and, of this, by the way? Oh, no. No, you'll see them all. They're beautiful. Okay, I get really it. nice wigs. And they're all on my Instagram. Not the wigs, the dancing. Oh, yeah. I have okay. a great, great, beautiful foxtrot that won first place in a charity Where? Thing. Where is this? On my on? Instagram in Connecticut. I mean, you're like, it's, you're actually ballroom dancing. Competing. Yeah. Yeah, but just on a small level and doing showcases. That's and stuff. awesome. It's so much fun. Five anyway, days a okay, week, I go Go ahead, wigs. So I'm wearing this really fun, like, lilac-colored wig. It's super cute, like just a bob. And everybody knows I wear wigs because I always make fun. Of, I laugh and I go, doesn't this one look real? Oh, my God, because it's a beautiful wig company. Vogue Wigs Official on Instagram. Please send me another one for free. So I have on this purple wig and everybody, we're having a fun time on the thing and it's like a blast. I had a makeup on and we're all talking and I'm glancing over and the comments are just coming too fast. I can't answer all the questions, but I'm trying. And I saw one from a woman and she put, to be honest, I mean, it like starts that way. You just look old as F and that wig is obviously out of desperation. Mm. Now, I knew it wasn't, and old never bothered me because we're all getting older. We can't do much with our face, and I don't have plastic But I'm sure surgery. that wasn't the real case, though. You weren't looking that old. No, no, I know I wasn't. It was her. But I said to myself, why did that stick with me? I think... Because I said to myself, I said, why is that one? Because you'll hear, I'll see a bunch of things and just be able to slough them off. I go, what is it about that one that stuck with me till the next day? And I had to work on it with my shrink and figure it out. And I'm like, "Ah, it wasn't the old part. I think it's because, first of all, I was in a uh, depleted space already. I literally had had two hours sleep. So I was, you know, when you're weakened and a weakened immune system or whatever, you take more germs on. So I think it germinated. So I said, okay, that's one thing. Your feelings are hurt easier when you're tired. 
But the second thing was the thought of being desperate really triggered me. I was like, because I have been desperate for attention before, because I have been desperate for affection. The word desperation really hurt me. And I go, oh, okay, it's a trigger. I could talk myself out of it. I know where it comes from, from childhood of being desperate for attention or whatever I didn't get or high school or wherever it was. And then I can move on from it. But see, until I analyze it, I don't learn from it. So that's why I don't just kind of flick them off my hand. I go, I can learn from this. But it does take freaking working on it. You know, if you really do get something out of examining it, yeah. I get it. But, you know, there's another level to this. The yeah. question is, why does this person want to hurt me? I wonder. A because, total strain? Well, well, because they obviously want to, you know, they, they, they don't like themselves or they want attention and they want me to call them out. Right. And insult them or go, oh, you poor thing, you must feel a lack of love and I'm so sorry you're like that. Because honestly, that's how I feel. That must be a really horribly sad person. You know, you said something that I, I've been living for the past two years, mm-hmm. trying to learn from every situation. I'm, yeah. Without, I, I can't go into detail, but there were some things that have happened in the past two years to mm-hmm. me that have been probably some of the most traumatic mm-hmm. things from other people. That wow. did hurt me. Mm. And uh, every time I stopped and said, okay, wait, I know I need to deal with it and we're dealing with it. But at the same time, what am I learning from this situation? Yeah. Try yeah. to step back. And I know it's, it sounds very like hug a tree. Say no, no, up, it's true. Every yeah. situation has a lesson to be learned. Yeah. And, and thank God we figured out that we need to do that. It will never be perfect. And I'm not right. saying, well, this is our answer to a perfect life. No, yeah. no. It's, it's something we should – we should remember as a part of life with every chapter of our book, we need to like, what does this chapter mean? Yeah. What did I get out of this? Right. And you know what's funny? It's like everything we don't get or everything that is a sadness or a disappointment where, oh, there was a reason I didn't get that thing. Or or there, every, every loss, like you say, every loss, there's a lesson. So every friend who abandons us or every person who attacks us or everything, we go, oh, I just learned this about myself. And you go, oh, I won't do that again. So isn't that great, though? Yeah. Because it's not it's not positive thinking. This is what people forget. I hate positive thinking. That's it's bullshit. Positive thinking is no, everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. It's it's not going to be fine. And I'll still survive. It's not going to be fine. I'll have a death. I'll have a uh, a sadness or a disease or a hurt, and I can handle it. That's why you should examine all these diseases, all these deaths, all these hurts, mm-hmm. because at the yeah. end of the day, you do get through them. And yeah. you know, I'm not wishing disease, death, or hurt on anyone, but I'll tell you this. The more of it you experience and examine, mm-hmm. the better off a person you are at the end of it. Definitely, because we know why. Like, there's nothing that happened to me in the past 57 years that I can't say what I got out of it. That being said, sometimes it takes a lot of time. Like sometimes you can say, what did I learn from the fact that I, um, you know, had somebody cheat on me? Like, yes, at the time it feels horrible. Now I know what I learned from it. Now I know how it serves me to help others or whatever it is. So I always tell people I'm coaching, I go, you might not have the answer right away of why it was good for you and what the lesson is, but it'll eventually come to you if you really work on it. You know what I'm loving about life Mm. is I'm finally learning that we have too much stuff Oh, and it's time to get rid of it. Dude, it's so weird you said that because I just put my house on the market. Yeah. Too effing big. Now, it's not Elvis Duran big. People don't want big houses anymore. It's ridiculous. And it's- 20 years ago, it was, I've got to get a big house. For what? I need a ballroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You I, know, 
I need a solarium. Yeah. Oh, if I knew what that was, I'd say yes. <laughs> I don't even need a library. I'll tell you what. I said to myself, this downsizing is the best thing I ever did. Downsizing career, because I don't need to achieve another thing. Downsizing possessions. That's ridiculous. By the way, I'm parallel with you on both of those things. Keep going. Downsizing friends, because they're, they, if they don't serve you anymore, suck your energy. Yep. Um, and downsizing the size of my house. I had four houses at one time. Who the F needs that for me and a seven-pound dog? Sure, I was married at the time and needed a place to send Jimmy so I didn't have to see right. him. But the fact is now it's like one place. And you know what I think having multiple houses does to me? Makes me not really connect with anyone in each place. It made me be like, oh, I hold everybody a distance. This way, I'm in Connecticut. I better freaking make some real intimate inroads here. Right. So that's where I have. That's why you're ballroom dancing. That's where I am. Oh I'm my down God. To, I'm down to three houses. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm so proud of and you. So now what I find myself doing in New York City in the apartment, mm -hmm. every time I open a cabinet and see a bunch of plates, I'm yeah. like, what am I going to do with this when I sell this son of a bitch? Oh, I love <laughs> you know what it. what I'm saying? Yes. Now I'm thinking ways. I, I, I'm already gearing up for downsizing. Yes. I can't wait. Well, do you think... Where do you think you'll ultimately end up as far as living? I know one of the places will be Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Where that's we're getting beautiful. Married. You know, Alex, uh, he's a Staten Islander. Yeah. He's a New Yorker. And when I took him to, St to uh, Santa Fe for the first time, I'm thinking he's going to hate this place. Right. Because it is slow. Yes. It is spiritual. Mm -hmm. It is everything New York isn't. It is the polar opposite of yeah. New York. Yeah. No skyscrapers. Great food, though. Great art. Great culture. Sure. It, it actually, in my opinion, goes beyond New York in some of these categories. But he got out there and he fell in love oh, with it. Oh, my and, God. And the other day, as a matter of fact, it was yesterday, he posted a picture of on, on Canal Street of Canal. Oh, anal. Yeah. Anal Plastic it was, Company. Yeah, it was Canal Plastics, but there was a sign post yeah. in front of the sea. Yeah, I, I reposted. So it said anal plastics. Loved it. And he's, did you read what he said? He said, no. he said, I'm back in New York. I can't wait to get back home to Santa Fe. Shut up. And I cried a little. It was oh. So Santa Fe is just amazing. But I don't. But if I lived in Santa Fe full time, I think my brain would turn to mush. Well, that happened to me when I had a house in Tucson. Yeah. Because it was all spiritual and amazing. And it's great. But I had to go back and forth. Yeah. So I, 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 it, there needs to be a mix of Santa Fe and something else. Right. So we're working on that. Where's your third place? Uh, out in Jersey. I have a farm out in Jersey. Jeez, I got to come out there. Can I just be like your farmhand? I tell you what, I was so sick. Of, this is also in the book, yes. which is called Where Do I Begin? Available now on Amazon. Can't wait. Uh, I was living in the city, just loving the city. Mm -hmm. it, it was great. And I just had it. One morning, I was getting up and going to work. The garage was across the street from my apartment on 4th Street down in the village. And there was still the... the the outline of where a body was the night before in the village. Someone had been murdered or died of a heart attack. I don't know. They still roped it off. And I said, you know, I'm done. So I bought this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. I live by myself. I was between relationships. I moved out there by myself to get wow. away. I still love that place. It's Aww. a beautiful place. It's really my home. That's my home out there. Do you feel like that's your heart's yeah. there? When I first moved to New York, I was like, who would ever leave New York? This place is awesome. I know, but and, yeah, it, we get to that age. I gave up my place the day I gave up comedy. I gave up the place. It's like sitting in an electric chair 24 hours a day. It really is. And you know, it's I still great. love it. But. Well, the reason we could put up with New York, I always say New York is for the really poor and the really rich. Everybody else in between is effed. That makes sense. Yeah. Because you don't, when you're poor, it's kind of fun to eat ramen all the, when, you, when you're 21. Yeah. When you're our age, you have to have a lot of money. 
those poor middle class people are sitting there going, how do I freaking take a subway? I'm sweating. Like you're you're a baller. You get to have a car service. Oh, your dog's in the car downstairs, big shot. <laughs> well, the fact is you earned it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you, are you a little shy about your money? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you should have a car service. I really hope you always do. Yeah, I've got a driver. Are you better? A Russian guy. Well, let me tell Dimitri. you about you. Dimitri. Dimitri. Dimitri, you got the best job of your life, Dimitri, because like, Elvis is a big tipper. He's my brother. And you're security guard, too. He's a member of the family. He'll be at the wedding. Elvis, let me tell you about you. Okay. You have worked your balls off for how many years? Seriously. When did you first get into radio? When I was 14 years old. Okay. All right. Come the F on. 40 years of hard work. When did the actual break come that you go, I know that I'm really on the right path and I'm making good money and I've quote unquote made it? Not there. Wow. See. But, so yeah, I started when I was 14 years old. That's insane. And I have, I, I don't think, look, I will tell you this and you, and you can do the same with yourself, Lisa. Okay. If you weren't you, but you were observing and studying you, mm-hmm. you'd be impressed with everything that you're, that you've accomplished and everything mm-hmm. you're accomplishing. But when you're doing it, it's a little different. Yeah. And then, um, the other day someone said, I tell you why Elvis, you don't think that you've made it and you've arrived. And there was a, there's a book out and some authors had this line and the line is, let me see if I can get it close to right. You never arrive. If you think you've arrived, mm-hmm. you're a failure. Mm-hmm. Either you had, you, either you are continuing to grow or you are sliding backwards. Right. There is never a final point of arrival. Either you're going forward or you're moving backwards. You're always going up or down. Right. You, but I, don't I like think I think I arrived when I did Radio City. I think I arrived as a comic. Okay, I get that. But then I did not arrive as a human being. Oh, that's I'm it. still. I got trying to be better and better and better. The guest I had on before you was so funny um, last week was talking about how I still have to work on myself in order to be open to a female female relationship and vulnerability and all that. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to work on this for the next 30 years. You know, so it's never going to be done, but that's okay. Because if, like you said, if not, we're sliding back. You got to be going forward or you're going to be sliding back. Well, now in a relationship. Wait a minute. Oh yeah. Walking out on stage in the iconic Radio City Music Hall. Oh, I'm like, yeah. 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 You're like, "Uh uh-huh, next. What's next? Uh, you know what? Yeah, uh, it, yeah. That's that was nice. definitely the high point. I get that. You no, know, as a as a radio personality, yeah, yeah. I've arrived there. I'm, I'm good there. Yeah, I'm good. But you just know you're still evolving as a human. Yeah, but keep in mind, just like you and your career has uh, has evolved from being on stage, traveling around, to doing what you're doing now. You actually described it as taking a step back a second ago, or how did you? Do- I, I mean, I meant stepping back and looking at. What you've accomplished. Well, you've almost made it sound as if you, you're relaxing a little more now. I kind of am. Well, of course, because be on the road. I mean, no one understands oh. that what you guys do is what you did and what you do as a comic. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, what I'm doing now, you know, we've got 20 employees on the show. Yeah. You know, we're producing over 200 million a year in revenue for iHeart. And <gasps> it's. I'm looking forward to like stepping back. Like yeah. my studio, I have a studio built at the house in Santa Fe. Oh, good. I'm gonna go out there and play fucking. Oh, sure. Ooh, sorry. I'm gonna go out there and just start playing Celine Dion records. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm yeah. ready to like take well, it a little I, slower. That's the thing too. I like the idea of my life looking at everything and going, 
wow, this doesn't feel like work, but it's work. I mean, you know, meaning like I'll look at like doing a podcast and go, that sounds cute. And you're, like, is this work? What you're doing right now is this podcast work to you? No, no, this is a conversation. With oh, friends. so easy. But when you yeah. were traveling the world doing Kill stage or stage, that is work. Shoot me in the freaking head. What I feel like what I'm doing now is it's work. Which part? Well, it's sponsors, keeping them happy. We have, right. you know, the, 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 keeping the, the guys who I work for at iHeart happy. They're great people, mm. but there's just so many moving parts. I have people who work f- with me mm. who come to me for raises and new contracts and stuff I don't want to deal with. Right. And it's just, it's work. Yeah. I just kind of rather... Kind of coast a little. What you're? This is great. I want to steal this from you. So much fun. And by the way, just the idea that tomorrow I literally get to set my alarm for eight. Ooh. Be at ballroom dancing at 10, That's so then have lunch with a friend who I actually really like because I've downsized my friend group, and then go see my mom, play cards a little bit, and then we're going to see some kids I know in a play. Like, to me, that's like a fun day. Nothing, Everything's cute. Like, that's how I judge now. I look at an invitation. I go, well, that sounds cute. Like, when I got your wedding invitation, I was like, oh, my God, that sounds so cute. <laughs> and like, if, But if it was something that I didn't want to go to, I wouldn't go. So I think that's what we got to downsize. That's the part to downsize, too, is going, all oh, these freaking parties and obligations. Yeah, enough Suck it. Lisa, let me ask you. Has anyone ever used the term, ever come to you and say, hey, how does it feel now that you've retired? I love it. I say, I know, right? Because I embrace it the re- the in a good way. But in, to me, I don't think, well, I don't know why it doesn't have a bad connotation. Well, you didn't me. retire. You're sitting here it's working. okay. You know what it reminds me of? Because I'm so grateful I had this example. My dad retired when he was less than 60. He was like, I'm out of here. And started to be a, uh, he was always an art, a painter, fine right. artist. He took 30 years of painting classes. He loved painting my whole house. All our houses are filled with his artwork. He made retirement look like so much fun that I'm like, I'm doing what my dad did. He literally paints, goes to class, or painted, went to class, and read books. Well, here's what books. What I can think. you imagine sitting and reading a book? Now, see, here's I guess I'm I've when my parents retired, it totally redefined retirement because they retired differently. Mm. They both quit their jobs, you know, retired, mm-hmm. and they slowly died on the vine. Oh, they that's had, different. Yeah. Well, my my dad, who was a big reader and loved art, this and that, he lost his eyesight. So he couldn't read anymore. Yes, yeah, see, my that's mom, what I worry about. I actually, what's weird is I did think about that the other day. I go, so I go, suppose I go blind. Not like I worry about the future or anything. I was like, suppose I go blind and I can't read. And then I said to myself, eh, I'll handle it. That's the whole thing. With worries, I always go, eh, I'll handle it. I'll do it. And yeah. because every time something has happened to you, to you, like a roadblock, whatever, you have handled it. Well, look, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? You're probably your parents dying. Uh, No. Uh, what's like the worst thing that ever happened to you? If it's too personal, you don't have to say. It's, you know, that's a great question. I I don't know how to answer that. There have been many, many awful things that have happened, but I can't. Yeah, like I, uh, for I instance, can't give one the blue ribbon. Well, just for my instance, it was always me dreading my dad dying. He was always my yeah. person. I was, and then I go, wow, just by feeling the grief and you know five years of that and all, yeah. I. If I handled that, I can handle anything. Like, what is going to ever come up that's that bad? I will tell you, I think the the time I cried the hardest, mm-hmm. maybe if there's a connection there, mm-hmm. is when we had to, <laughs> don't laugh at me, when we oh. had to have my cat put to sleep. Oh. No, of course I'd never laugh at that. It, you know, it was it was a really rough thing because I, I felt like, you know, I was the one who had to decide she has to die today. Oh, wow. And so- yeah, mom and dad, they they lived way too long. They they died so slowly. It was time for them to go. It was mm-hmm. 
you know, I miss them dearly. I think about them every day and I thank God for mom and dad and what they contributed to who I am today. I'm, I'm there, but, and it was sad. Yeah. But you know, the day that I had to put my catch and now with little Max, he's only six years old, but I still look at him and go, Oh my God, you're going to die. Oh my God. Me too with Parker. Like there's something wrong with me. No, there's everything right about okay. you because they, they're the best. I'm not comparing my parents to my no, dog. Of course not. It's not what this is about, but that's the day I cried the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you find? Did you just, was this after the weight loss, by the way? Uh, before, long before. Did you eat to quell the feelings? Oh yeah, I was already I was already eating, yeah. quelling other feelings, bad relationship, this and that. Right, right. I don't know, you know, other things in my life that have been awful. I think they just sent me into shock, and so I just dealt with it that way. So there was no right. hard crying. But right. you know, putting your cat to sleep is like, <laughs> and like okay, it it happened. She got sick, and three days later we had to put. Her Holy sleep. crap! I don't know. So you know, no, I've had problems with, I don't know, all sorts of problems, and sure, that have sure. been awful. But it's interesting just knowing that we can get through and it's not going to, nothing's going to kill us. No. You know, we're going to be around for a while, I think. God willing. Hey, you know, even if we're not, people will survive. Alex will find a better guy than you. <laughs> That'll be, he, he, may, he may be looking at him in the eye right now. There you go. I'm stuck in this little pot. <laughs> now, tell me real quick. You met Alex years ago. Yeah. You've been together how long? Uh, oh God, uh, nine years, oh eight God. years, eight years, eight years. What? Oh God, I hope I'm not wrong. No, that's okay. He won't even listen to this. What oh, he'll you, listen. Oh yeah. He he's loves dissecting you. it. He yeah. loves you. Oh, he's cute. He's the best. Well, I met him, I think at that uh, night of a thousand gowns thing. Oh, I think I know awful. I was still fat. You we had more, fat. we had more fun at the, uh, North Shore. North Shore Animal League's always the yeah. best. And I, we also met at the St. Jude's, we hung out at the St. Jude's Children's Hospital thing for that Eric Trump pulled. Right. Well, here's the thing. I got to tell you, I don't talk much about the Trumps because I don't care. But the one thing I remember about me and you, and I'm not going to include you in this, I'm going to use my opinion as a parting gift, ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a portrait that they had commissioned of the goddess Lisa Lampanelli. Now, I still have that unhung upstairs in my house. It is an oil painting, and I don't know what color skin I'm supposed to have, but I think I'm black in it. Elvis, an oil painting of me that's so insulting, only a mother could love it, and my mother laughed at it. What do you make of this, Elvis? I think, you know, <laughs> they found an artist who they yeah. really, really like, and they thought it would be very nice for you to have- you know, it's not very. It's not. It's not usual for someone to have an oil painting, a yes, portrait. I know of themselves. So they thought it was a great gift. Listen, here's what I say. Thank you. And I, exa- that's what I did. But I know I was laughing hard about it with my friends the other day because sometimes you know I have it in this room where I keep all things I have to give to people. You know, I like stockpile gifts for them when I see something that my friends would like. I saw this thing. I said, my mother won't even like this thing. But isn't it funny? We mostly bumped into each other at charity stuff, yes. which proves we both have big hearts or we just want attention. We, we, it's the free booze. There you go. You That's don't even drink. Is. I don't. I can't stand it. Yeah, I drink. Do you like the booze? Love it. Had some martinis last night. Alex and I bellied up to the bar, had some dinner, ate it. some oysters to put a little lead in the pencil. Oy vey. We well, you fun. know what? They say this booze, you always look like having a good time with it, though. Like, you don't look like you're a sloppy drunk. No, I, you I look can, like a fun drunk. I will tell you, as I'm aging, I see it in the mirror. I'm like, ooh. Really? And my dad was an alcoholic. And my mom, I think, too. Right. Uh, but dad was an alcoholic. And so I, I can see how I could easily, easily, finally admit I'm an alcoholic. Right. And how do you keep it in check now? Uh, I don't. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, so if no, it you know, finally I, present itself as a problem, what would you do? Well, look, you know, I my parents 
were from that age, and I'm not assuming all parents at that age did this, they were the cocktail society. Mm. They had cocktail parties every week at their house. Yeah. Uh, they were, and every day at five o'clock, my dad was drinking his bourbon. My right. mom had her wine. Right. And so I just kind of grew up with that. And sure. And then I watched Mad Men. Oh my God, the best ever. They were, they were drinking enough. for breakfast. I'm a Betty Draper from way back. I know you are. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I know, but you know, I just, to me, having a cocktail every day is just, okay, well, what's the problem? Right. But then I'll go, mm, let me see how long I can go without a drink. Uh-huh. And I feel like if I have to prove it to myself, maybe there's a problem. But I bet you could prove it to yourself. Could I can. You? Like, I don't uh, want to. <laughs> and I have. You know. Oh, you know. You, who also on your Instagram, because I do notice you're having a lot of fun, but it's not manufactured fun. Like, it never looks like, oh, look at them trying to pretend. No, we're not having fun. Like, you're having a blast. No, we have a great time. Who is Uncle Johnny? Whose uncle, uncle Johnny. is that? So, Uncle Johnny, speaking of, of drunks. Yes. His doctor said, uh, I can do my uncle, uncle Johnny. He's from Boston. He's That's been, your uncle. He's America's uncle. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I'm Uncle Johnny. <laughs> he talks just like that. <laughs> and my doctor said, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drunk. Oh, my God. Uncle Johnny should write a book. Yeah. He, uh, his dad, who was uh, in the mob in Boston mm-hmm. back when Uncle Johnny was a kid. Who Uncle Johnny born in 1942. Mm-hmm. He, t- he, he said, Dad, I think I'm bisexual. Oh. And his, his dad said, don't worry, kid. I've got a doctor that'll fix it. <gasps> so the next day, Uncle Johnny and his drag queen friend. Oh, my God. Uh, I forgot her name. Charity. Mm-hmm. They hopped in a car and they drove to New York. Charity said, honey, we're moving to New York. So this is back in 1964. Wow. They got an apartment on Gay Street yes! in the West Village. Yep. Uncle Johnny started working in the uh, the bars, the gay bars, mm-hmm. and he finally understood he does have sex with guys. Mm-hmm. He actually, uh, I think he had sex with Merv Griffin at some point. Wow. Uh, anyway, so Johnny was there during Stonewall riots. He was in, in oh. a lot of our friends that were there. They're all still friends. And uh, Uncle Johnny's just a funny guy. So he's been a bartender in the gay bars for a lot of years. Oh. As a matter of fact, Cherry Grove, the uh, the gay town out on Fire Island, he's been a bartender there every summer for 54 years. Oh is that right? Is that, is that math right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Every summer for 54 years. He's out there right now. Because I literally thought that was your uncle or no. Alex's uncle. So- so when uh, Alex first came out, well, he didn't really come out. He was secretly driving from Staten Island into Manhattan to the village to go out to bars. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was underage. The only guy who would serve him was this old guy, Uncle Johnny. Wow. Who was even old back then. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's how Alex got to know him and all of his friends, all of his cronies. Wow. And so we all l- love Uncle Johnny. He sings show tunes. Yes. He tells dirty jokes, makes cocktails. He comes on the show and makes a cocktail every couple of weeks. Oh, isn't that great? Because I you'll, see you'll love, you could inter- You should interview Uncle Johnny. I will. This guy has so many stories. Wow. It would be a five-hour podcast. Yeah. Well, I met him at that uh, Night of a Thousand Gowns with you guys. Yep. And I'm like, who is this guy with the voice? He's who? the best. And we oh, take him on so vacation glad. with us like he's our son. We, he gets he gets drunk and mean and we have to send him to his room. <laughs> He's Uncle Johnny. Oh, my God. Why is he getting all of my airtime? You know what? I don't. Let's plug your book again. Oh, Where Do I Begin? Yes. What? That's the name of the book, Where Do I Begin, by Elvis Duran, radio icon. Now, Elvis, can you do me a favor? We're going to take a break, but I have some viewers slash listeners. Wait, wait. You take a break? Wait. This is what I do. I have sponsors. They oh, good. Play the commercial. We love our sponsor. Whoever you're about to hear sponsored, we love them. Thank you. I would like you to help some of my, what do you call that, listeners? 
with some of their problems. Can you help? I can help. Thank you. We will be right back. This is the iconic Lisa Lampanelli with the more iconic Elvis Duran. Let Lisa help. We'll be right back. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. When your favorite show ends, Rob Sister Nino is just getting started with post-show recaps on Podcast One. Sign me up. Join him for live interactive podcasts right after episodes of your favorite shows like Big Little Lies and Star Trek Discovery, plus Netflix original shows like Stranger Things and so much more. I want to see Stranger Things in the big cité. I want some Chicago redemption. Okay, <laughs> another Dick Wolf production, Chicago Stranger yes, Things. Yes. <laughs> Download new episodes of post-show recaps every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli back with my good friend, Elvis Duran. Let me ask you. Yes. How do you address the person listening as everybody? Because everybody is listening. Everyone in the world is listening okay. to this podcast. So one of our rules in radio, this isn't radio, is yeah. you talk as if you're talking one-on-one. Yeah, no, one with I'm me. not. I'm talking to the universal masses. Okay. None of okay. you count to me as an individual. All now, right. since I'll none of you- I'll back off. I'll back off. That's way, all right. sponsor we just heard from, love them. Love them. Best ever. That pizza slash HelloFresh slash whatever it was was really good. RX bars, nasty gal. Okay, I have a couple questions for my listeners, and I want you, Elvis Durant, to help because clearly you're emotionally and physically perfect. Well, how do you get these questions? They write them. Okay. And they send them in to uh, Lampanelli Lisa at gmail.com. <laughs> how dare you, sir? All right. Elvis Duran yeah. and Lisa Lampanelli. Lewis from Jamaica, New York asks, hey, Lisa, what? And by the way, this is dated last week. What is it about comedy that fulfills you? Now, here's the thing, Elvis. Is this a real fan? Because I don't know. When I received this, I said, year ago that i retired from comedy and shouldn't they as a fan be up on this you know what i think once you are a huge comic legend you're always a comic legend but but if i were fulfilled by comedy did he spell it like yes that? he did f-o-r-e dash filled or filled well actually yes for well, well okay answer the question what is it about comedy that fulfills you well Obviously, it does not fulfill me because I do not do comedy for no more. You were obviously fulfilled for a while. I was, but he put it in the present tense, radio legend Elvis. That's like saying, what about sucking a D in Texas fulfills you? You don't do that anymore, do you, unless you're in Texas? I'll help an American right now and help (laughs) them down to DFW. Isn't that sweet of you? Yeah. Well, listen, let me tell you, Lewis, you insult me by not knowing what I'm up to. You ask me what's fulfilling to me by misspelling. You are no longer allowed to be a fan. You know what? I think you're being really too harsh on Lewis. Okay. So you've just convinced me with that one sentence that I'm being too harsh on Lewis. So Lewis, Lewis, which by the way, your email address is really funny and Elvis could definitely do something with this. I'll tell you it off the air. Okay. It has to do with what we just talked about. Comedy used to fulfill me and I'll tell you why. Elvis, tell me if this is the same for you as far as radio goes. I don't even think it was the comedy part I loved the most. The part I loved was the connection with people. Period. I so agree. It's connecting with people. Connecting with the audience, connecting with other comics, and making 
in, and in your case, I'm sure this is true too, having listeners and viewers connect with each other. So I always felt like me doing insult comedy, the people were all kind of on one team and they were going, oh yeah, I get it. I'm the guy she called this. I'm the guy she called that. So I like the connection part. That's why now that I retired from stand-up, guy who doesn't keep track of my career. Be nice. So now that I retired from comedy, I just feel like I still have the connection through coaching, through giving the food and body image workshops, which, by the way, I have a great one coming up at Kripalu in November. So go to Kripalu.org for more information and through the storytelling show. So I think the connection was what I really wanted. I preserved that. And now I don't have to call people names anymore. You get this, right, Elvis Duran? I totally get it. You see, what you did and continue mm-hmm. to do and what I continue to do, and I know this sounds kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. we're in the friendship business. Yeah. Look, everyone out there, you know, they're living their lives, doing their thing, but every once in a while they want to just cut out the BS and just have a friend. And you had a way when you were doing stand-up and have a way doing this podcast mm-hmm. by having a conversation, a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to be your friend. Yeah. And even though they're listening to you right now, they can't talk back to you, but they're having an inner dialogue with you. And and when we're on the radio, it's the same thing. It's it's yeah. the friendship business. Do you sometimes get callers again and again that kind of think you are friends, though? Oh, absolutely. And what do you do to let them down easy? Well, I don't know. Meaning they... Like actually want to hang out with you. Yeah. You know, look, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I we do the show, then I go hide under my bed. <laughs> Basic, or in one of his three beds. You know what? Yeah, I know. But what I do is I go home and wash dishes. That's my night. You know, I just, right. I don't know. You know, I, that's a hard one to answer. I, I never want to make anyone feel upset right. by saying, look, I can't go out and see you. I just right. kind of skirt the issue and move on. Kind of you have to. Like, I used to get a lot of emails, by the way. Uh, and what saying, a compliment it is, by the way. It Someone is. wants to hang out with you. I don't. Okay. So let's psychoanalyze this. I used to get emails from people saying, oh, I see you're going to be in, say, Austin. Right. I'd love for you to come over my house for dinner or take you out for a drink after the show. My family loves you, this, that. I would get so annoyed. Do you think that's because I felt unseen as far as, don't they know how tired I'm going to be? Don't they know how busy I'm going to be? I would go to the negative always instead of the compliment. So it was a compliment. And you're annoyed mm-hmm. because you don't want to let someone down. You think? Absolutely. This person, obviously, you have said something that made them think that, wow, she is someone I would love to be friends with. Right. All right. You know what? Oh, bad job. What a horrible thing to do. Make someone like you. I know. I've never liked that part of myself. But the last thing you want to do is is let someone down. Right. Yeah, because we want to feel like... I remember I used to after shows um, when I first... uh, Not first started, but when it was like my first 15 years of comedy. I'd always have gay guys going to me, oh, let's go out after the show. And me and my opening act would always go. And then we'd find we had to put on show number two. So you have to do the second show for the gays because they want you to be funny after a show. And like you said, after the show, you go home and you right. you hide under your bed and do the dishes. Right, because I don't want to be... I can't be on again. Yeah, no. And there is an on and off. Right. You know, and right now we're semi-on. We're having a great conversation because we're friends with each other. Right. We're we're much less on now than when you were on stage and when I'm on the radio. Definitely. Absolutely. So I think that's the thing. I, I have to learn 
that you can still connect with people in a limited capacity. You don't have to just completely cut off from them once the microphone goes off. But back to the bar. If I'm at a bar with Alex and someone comes up and says, hey, I love your show. May I buy you a drink? Right. Uh, sure. And we'll hang out with her. We become friends. Do you think that's just because you're a dirty alcoholic and could be the booze? Could be. So if they came up If I could just have and- one more drink, the trembling would stop. <laughs> and this <laughs> listener is going to save me. So if they said to me, can I buy you a cake? I would be like, absolutely. Let's let's go to let's go to Entman's. See, do they have a store? Let me tell you, I can't believe you just said that because yes, they do, and they have many outlets. They have the outlets, and I remember. Uh, With their outlets, aren't they old? No, no, no. It's okay. I'll tell you how I know this. Frank DeCaro. I love, you know, I love gay icon Frank DeCaro had told me near his house where he grew up, there was an Entenmann outlet and it was the stuff that they supposedly screwed up and they call it an oops sale. He wrote about this in one of his books. Yes. Yes. So the brownies would have too many nuts. Like that's a thing. Like that the um, Danish would get stuck on the conveyor belt. So there'd be globs of icing to him. That was perfect. So they'd buy these when he was a kid, three boxes for a dollar. And then you'd get to eat them all at home with your Italian mother. So to me, Entenmann's is just iconic because I, I mean, Entenmann's. it has its place. Well, I used to like the Entenmann's. Tell me I'm wrong, but I love this chocolate with the vanilla icing and the little chocolate crumples on yeah. it. And because I didn't want my family to know I was eating and binging the whole thing, I would shave around the outside of the cake so they wouldn't know the cake was slowly disappearing. Well, this cake has a border. It does. It does. It has a frame. So, yeah. I'm still going to always love cake. I think, like, that is the case. What's your favorite, if you had to have a go-to food that you could never give up, even though it's not good for you, what would it be? Chicken parm. Really? So it comes to you quick like I love chicken parm. You could pull my pants down and spank me with the chicken parm. <laughs> I will. I absolutely you will. You would have, have to have to have a blood spatter expert to come in and like look at it like this <laughs> sauce on the walls and figure out how they, they did it. Since since okay, so you love a chicken parm. Tell me, this has nothing to do with with uh, food, but I just need to know this about you because we're friends. What's do you have a guilty pleasure TV show? I really don't. What, like what's your favorite show of all time? See, I, I, when you say guilty pleasure TV show, that you're saying is there a show you're watching that you're, you're kind of ashamed of? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not embarrassed about anything. Okay, so problem. what's the what's the what's your favorite show of all time? Is it Mad Men? Because for me, it is. I love Mad Men, but yeah. also I just finished Downton Abbey. Oh, it's so good! Oh my god! You know, all these years people are like Downton Abbey. Me too. I'm like, oh, I, I poo pooed it. Finished it. Yeah, I because oh, I, you know, I the reason it. I watched it is because they have the Downton Abbey movie. Oh my. I cannot wait. Can I go with you and Alex? Oh, let's go. Oh, my God. If I, I get a, if I get an early or if either of us gets an early uh, release, let's go look at it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that you're so classy that you get that. Oh, my God. Well, I know. I don't know if I have it yet. You'll get it. You're super famous. <laughs> oh, my God. Elvis no. Duran. Not only do I love you as a human, I love you as a guest, but I love you more as a human. And I love Alex so much. Because you guys are the real deal. You as a couple. Honestly, I'm not BSing. You... Give the world hope that people can be happy because I like these couples. There's very few I look at and go, wow, they got it really. The real thing going on. You guys do. Hey, it's not easy. Right. We still have our moments of like, ooh. Right. Sure. But but you know what? I was telling Alex the other day, I said it used to be when we got into a fight, I was thinking of ways to end our relationship. Sure. Now we, when we get into fights, I just think of ways just to move forward. But do you, do you love yourself? I'm getting there. All right. Yeah. There were two times I, I, I thought I loved myself. Once I was just sitting in my living room at the farm and I'd just broken up with this guy, awful relationship. And I remember, oh my God, 
I'm actually a good guy. I'm kind of a catch. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like a, a muscly body with a massive D and whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm a good guy. I yeah. really am. And I love myself. And I, I kind of cried a little bit over it. Wow. It was kind of a weird thing. The other time I really, really love myself was I finished off half of a container of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Right. I opened the trash can and I put it in there and I covered it up with other other trash. Wow. And then I walked away. And then I went, you know what? F that. I walked back to the trash can. Mm-hmm. I opened it. I pulled the Ben and Jerry's container out and put it on the top. And I let the, the lid close. Nice. And I was like, you know what? Who cares? I ate some ice cream. I mean, exactly. We don't have to hide who we are. Don't hide. Yeah. What are you hiding from? You're hiding from yourself. Well, yeah. Who cares what the other people think? And you know, do you find the more you tell the truth to your audience and to your partner and your friends, just the less shame is in it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, so I ate a half a container of ice cream. Wah. Okay. I'll do better tomorrow or... I'll just do better the next meal. Yes. You know, we're lucky because we get to start over the, the same day versus you when you become an alcoholic. You'll have to lose all your sobriety. <laughs> not an alcoholic. <laughs> I know you're not. You know what? We just beat ourselves up. I know. Too much. And everyone listening to this thing understands what we're saying. You just, we beat ourselves up and we just deserve better. We got to be friends with ourselves. And I yep. know, again, that sounds like. Nope. I don't care. I think it sounds teasing, great. Yeah. You got to be friends with yourself. You would never say to your best friend or partner what you say to yourself. So let's start saying to ourselves the nice things that we say to them. Then do that, Lisa. You shut up. I hate you. (laughs) Elvis Duran. I I tell you what. I'll be your punching bag. Next time you want to beat yourself up, you call me. Okay. Beat me up. Oh, my God. I love you so much. That's not beating me up. That's being very nice. Oh, God. I hate you and die. At a girl. In all sincerity, though, (laughs) will you come back again with your your fiance and possibly at the time you might be married by then. You know, we have a studio in Santa Fe. Why don't (gasps) you should come by the house and we'll do a podcast there. Dude, that'd be so great. It's nice. Oh my God. I bet it is. You're a baller for real. I am. Yes, you are. You're the Cardi B of men. (laughs) Or wait, I think she is. (laughs) Elvis Duran, thank you so much for coming on. Let Lisa help. Um, I freaking love you. Oh, where can people find you? Can they follow you anywhere? Or do Uh, you care? Elvis Duran. That's pretty good. And oh, give out the most important Instagram, Max's. Oh, it's Max Elvis Duran. At Max Elvis Duran. I love following your dog. He's so pretty. He's the best. He's gay. He's downstairs burning up in the car. Oh, no. I'm kidding. The air conditioning oh, is on. With Raul, the driver, or whatever. Dimitri. Whatever. Same thing. Be nice. Okay. Love you, Elvis. And we'll be back with Let Lisa Help. What did we learn? What did we learn today? Well, today on Let Lisa Helped, we learned a lot from my buddy, Elvis Duran. We learned that we have to get rid of some of our stuff. Hey, be like Elvis, only have three houses. We also learned that sometimes people's mean comments have to be met with empathy, and sometimes we just got to kick that bitch to the curb. We also learned that weight loss surgery, while maybe not for everyone, should be no source of shame in helping you, quote, die slower. Also, we learned that Elvis's book, Where Do I Begin?, is an absolute treasure and needs to be gotten today. Nobody can ever accuse Lisa Lampanelli of not selling her friends' books. So go to Amazon.com or your local bookstore, get Where Do I Begin? And we will see you next week on Let Lisa H-E-L. Peace! 
Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review.